Well, shalom and God bless you. Welcome to Fruit of the Vine Ministries. My name is John Davison. Well, it's that time of year again. We're just getting ready for the fall feasts. And as usual, <laughs> there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of videos on YouTube. There's just a lot of teachings out there concerning the, the feasts of God, the, the feasts of Yahweh or the Mu'adim. However you want to word it is fine with me. But we're talking about Leviticus chapter 23 and how that applies to us as New Testament uh, Christians, followers of Yeshua, Jesus, um, understanding who we are, where we fit uh, in light of, let's say, Torah or Old Testament law. And how that applies to the life of a, a, a Christian, if it applies at all, should we be keeping the feast? Should we not be keeping the feast? Is that done away with? Is it, is it, is it, is it putting people in bondage? Is it, is it about intimacy? Really, what, what do we do when it comes to the feast days of God? Well, first off, I would encourage you before we even begin, if you don't understand, uh, uh any of my points on, on the feasts of, of the Lord, I would encourage you, to go to the YouTube channel. Um, I have a ton of videos on there concerning the feast days of the Lord. This is this study takes hours upon hours upon hours upon hours. It's not a simple subject. The feast days go throughout the entire Bible, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. The feast days are all there. In fact, I can even point you to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, where Paul actually talks about the feast days. And they're even mentioned several times um, in the book of Acts and in, in, in other areas. Even the Feast of Pentecost, actually, the, the Hebrew word is Shavuot, and it's the Feast of Weeks. or well, Pentecost is just a Greek word. It, it means 50 days. And so even that feast day is mentioned in the book of Acts. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh coming, Jesus telling the disciples to go to Jerusalem and sit and wait for him until they're endued from power from on high. Well, well, when was that? That was during the feast season. They they knew where they were supposed to be. It said many Jews had come. Um, you know, three thousand get get saved, baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. And so we see the feast days even in the New Testament. So it's not it's not like this is a foreign concept to to a Christian or to somebody who follows Jesus. But there are some discrepancies and there are some things that we do deal with in the New Testament because you have at this point a Jewish group of people who've accepted the Jewish Messiah. And at this point, now, we see, we see Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, going out into the nations. We see that there were Hellenistic Jews, Jews that had adopted uh, Roman customs, Greek customs, and things like that in the synagogue. So the synagogue has become somewhat liberal in, in many areas of the Greco-Roman world at this time. And Paul's dealing with many different issues in the New Testament concerning, uh, you know, those that are non-Jewish and those who are Jewish, but they're both together in the church. And how do we reconcile, you know, Jews who have come, who've, who've, who've obeyed the law most of their life. It says they were God-fearing Jews. They were zealous for the law. And then you have these Greeks and these, these Romans that were coming in who, who didn't really completely understand the law of God or they understood the Noahide laws. And that's a whole nother study. We won't get into that. But, but they, they feared God. They revered the God of the Jews, but they didn't understand completely what that looked like. And they come to understand Yeshua Jesus as Messiah, as Mashiach. And, and Paul is trying to reconcile these two things. And so there's two different things that take place in the New Testament concerning the feast days. And realistically, he, he deals with this, not just concerning the feast days, but he deals with this about eating clean, about unclean. They're, like, these are very, 
debated. These are very debated topics, and and they're very controversial because people really take these things to heart because they have personal convictions. They have convictions of their lifestyle. In other words, I have convictions that that God gives me, and and a lot of them just have to do with my own personal life. They have to do with the way that 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 I was discipled. They have to do with the way that Holy Spirit taught me, and they also have to do with the ministry. Uh, you know, the outreach that I have to certain people groups. Um, Muslims and Jews, for example, you know, there's a lot of things that you tell Muslims or Jews that, you know, you do certain things and they don't even want to talk to you. And so we don't want to put a stumbling block in front of people. And Paul even mentions that. He says not to put a stumbling block in front of, in front of individuals. And so we want them to see Christ. If they're going to stumble, let them stumble over Messiah. So let's talk about this controversial issue. And before they do that, listen, I want you to just humble your heart with me. And just pray with me just for a moment. And let's allow Holy Spirit to really speak to us about the feast days, okay? So, Father, we just thank you right now. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come and teach us. You said that you would teach us all truth. And so, Lord, we just stand in faith knowing that you will, Father. You will teach us all truth. That you do not desire for us to lack wisdom or understanding. You said in James, if anybody lacks wisdom, that they should ask of God who gives freely, who gives liberally to those who ask, that we should stand in faith, that we should go from glory to glory, Father. And so I just stand in faith right now, just believing, Lord, it is absolutely 100% your will for us to understand your feast days, what your heart is towards your feast days, and how we as believers, how we as believers can handle this subject and handle this topic in love, in love, but still in clarity and in truth without compromise. And so, Lord, I just thank you for doing that right now. In Jesus, Bashem Yeshua HaMashiach, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. We just bless you. Holy Spirit, I just let you have your way. Just speak what you want to speak here. So, we have some Old Testament prophecies that have not yet come to pass concerning the feast days. I know that that sounds very controversial because it says that Jesus... Jesus came to fulfill the law. But here's the thing. There were many things in the Old Testament that are prophesied that have not yet come to pass. For example, God prophesies a a new heaven and a new earth. God talks about a new covenant. God talks about a lot of new things. And and we see some of them coming to part. For example, the Brit Hadashah, the the New Testament, the new covenant, that's come. And it says that he's written the, the, the commandments on our heart. He was going to take away our our hearts of stone and give us a heart of flesh, and that we would walk in love and manifest the Father. But that there will also become a time where there would be a third temple, there would also be a a, a millennial reign, there would be a reign of the Messiah on earth. We have not seen Jesus physically on earth ruling and reigning over everything. So we know that this is a future prophecy, but yet this prophecy is still in the Old Testament. It has not been fulfilled yet. So if we're honest and we're, we're very integral about the way that we handle the Word of God, we'll be honest with ourselves, we'll be honest with the Word, and we'll wrestle with these things personally in our prayer with Holy Spirit. And so there's a promise, there's, a, there's, a, there's in Zechariah chapter 14, it talks about the day of the Lord. It talks about Messiah returning. It talks about when Messiah returns. It says that he's, he's going to set up this kingdom on earth. And it makes this... Crazy claim that most people, most people really haven't read yet. 
So I would encourage you, just open your Bible right now to Zechariah chapter 14 and just look at this for a minute. Be honest with the scriptures. Be honest with not what you've been taught, okay, but hear the word of God and what the word of God has to say because it's the word of God that's sharp and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Our pastors sometimes aren't that sharp. Let's, let's just sometimes, listen, it's okay. It's okay to read the word and study it on your own. It's a personal relationship with the King of Kings. And so I would encourage you to read Zechariah chapter 14. But for example, let's just start this. We'll just start right here in verse 16 of Zechariah 14. It says, Then it will be that all the nations who have come up against Jerusalem, again, this is in the last days, this is the end times, all nations coming up against Jerusalem, Zechariah chapter 2, Zechariah chapter 4, and then again we get to Zechariah chapter 14. It says, Then it will be that all the nations who come up against Jerusalem and survived will go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And it will happen that if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, then there will be no rain for them. If the family of Egypt does not go up and enter in it, they shall have no rain. This will be the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations that do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. This will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations who do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. On that day, at that time, Holy to the Lord will be engraved on the bells of the horses, and the pots in the house of the Lord will be as basins before the altar. And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah will be holy to the Lord of hosts, so that all who come to sacrifice will take from those pots and boil the meat in them. And on that day there will no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. Now, again, read all of Zechariah 14. I don't have time to go into all that, but I I promise you, if you read it on your own with an open heart, you'll see this is talking about when Jesus returns. It talks about when the millennial kingdom is set up on on the earth. It says that that Jerusalem will once again be the capital of the the world. And listen, in the past, there's never been a time where God withheld rain from all of the nations because they didn't come up and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. We're not talking about Jewish people here. It says the nations. That word nations is the same word as Gentiles. So he's saying if any of the Gentiles, the Egyptians, he says, if they don't come up and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, they won't won't have any rain. And rain is blessing. That's how you have your crops. That's where you get your food from. And so just listen to me for just a moment here. Think about this for a moment. God talks about his feast day being so important, so special to him, such a place of honor in his heart and, and, and towards people. He says, listen, if you don't come, you're going to miss out on the blessing. Okay? He, he's not sitting up there wringing his hands going, man, I really hope that they don't come because, man, I just want to punish these people. He's saying, listen, if you miss this, you're going to miss the blessing. You're going to miss a blessing that, that can be unlocked on your life. It's not about legalism. It's not about salvation. This is not a salvation issue. For example... Paul talks about in, in the book of Romans, he's dealing with Jewish people, okay, so here, let, let, let's put a little background to this. Paul, a Jewish man, okay, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews is what he calls himself. Paul is a Jewish man. He comes to understand Jesus as Messiah. And now he's going to his Jewish brothers and sisters. So we have Jewish people coming to a Jewish Messiah, and now all of a sudden it's going out into the nations of the world. So now you have the nations coming into 
B'nai Israel, the children of Israel. Now you have the nations coming into relationship with the God of Israel. And Paul, many times throughout the New Testament, he is dealing with issues between Jews and non-Jews in the church coming together as one new man. And he's dealing with issues where Jews are saying you have to be circumcised in order to be saved. Again, listen, he's dealing with these people that are questioning individuals' salvation based off of their works. Based off of you have to do this, 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 and this to get saved. Otherwise, you're not really saved because the blood of Jesus Christ really isn't enough. But, Scripture teaches that it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not by works lest any man should boast. And so it's by the blood of Christ which we come into salvation in relationship with the Father. But once we get into that relationship, it's, we, it talks about living our lives unto the Lord and to lay our bodies down as a living sacrifice. It talks about us being in relationship, that Jesus is our King and, and we are His subjects. But He also says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Now, He also goes even further. He even goes even further. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her that He would present him, present them, holy and blameless in his sight. In other words, there's a husband and wife relationship. Taking, there's, there's a bride of Christ taking place. There's a bridegroom and a bride. We have Messiah as our bride or groom, and, and we are the bride of Christ. I have a teaching on the bride of Christ. If you haven't seen it, I, I highly recommend it. You can go to our YouTube channel at Fruit of the Vine Ministries on YouTube, and it's, it's called the, the, the Bride of Christ, or who is, the title is actually, Who is the Bride of Christ? It'll really bring you into a place of, of intimacy and, and knowing who you are and how Jesus really sees you once you get saved. But when it comes to the feast days, when it comes to Shabbat or the Sabbath day, there's many people out there that will get very radical about this thing. And, and I don't mean radical as in returning to the root. I don't mean radical as in they're completely pure and they want to go back to the foundation of the world. I mean radical in the sense that it's an unhealthy radical. Radical in the sense where they say if you don't do these things, you're probably not even saved and you're not in, not, not in right relationship with the Lord. For example, there's even people that say if you say the name Jesus, you're not in the right relationship with the Lord that you're calling on a pagan deity. But I can prove to you through the Greek that that's not even what that means. I can prove to you through Scripture time and time again where the Apostle Paul says in Romans 14.23, says anything not done in faith is sin. So listen, if you, <laughs> get this now, if you do the feasts and you're not doing them in faith because somebody strong-armed you and said if you don't do this you're not saved and you're doing it out of fear, then you're not doing it in faith and not anything not done in faith is sin. So you can even do the feasts and it can be a sin in the eyes of the Lord because you're not doing it in love and relationship. So get this now. Paul later says, he says, listen, though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and I have not love, I'm just a resounding gong. In other words, if, if anything that I do for the Lord is not done out of love for him and a relationship with him, then, then I'm just doing a bunch of stuff and I'm just becoming religious and I don't want to be religious. I want to be in a relationship with the King of Kings. So if God says that the feast days are his days, or as Paul states in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, he says, therefore let us keep the feast. Whoa. He says, let us keep the feast. But how? But how? Not with the old leaven, right, of sin and iniquity and the way that we used to do. In other words, don't keep the feast. <laughs> don't keep the feast out of legalistic works, 
He says, but we do this with a pure heart. The message of what he's saying is, is that if we don't do them out of purity and love for God, then we're completely missing the purpose for why Christ died, because Christ died so that we can be in relationship with the Father. So let me put it this way. Again, we have Old Testament prophecies that haven't been fulfilled concerning the feasts. God says you're going to miss a blessing. You're going to miss a blessing. This is a blessing. You're missing a blessing. You're missing an intimate time with the Father. Again, Leviticus 23, very clearly, God says these are my appointed feast days, the feast days of the Lord. In other words, he doesn't say they're Jewish feast days. He says these are my days. These are the days I've set apart to meet with you, to sup with you, to spend time with you. How many times in the church do we, do we, decide when we're going to spend time with God? When do we make our, our appointments with God? In other words, one day a week we're going to sit down and we're going to listen to a message and we're going to pay homage to God, but we're not actually in an intimate relationship with Him. What if Scripture teaches, what if Scripture teaches that God actually set a time and a place and an appointment with us where He says, if you come, I have something for you. I have, I have, an, intimate, I have an intimate moment that I want to spend with you, my bride, my church, my loved ones. And so, it's not fear-based. It's not legalism-based. It's not do it because you have to-based. It's not do it because, because Scripture says that it's healthy and good for us to do it. It's not even do it because of the blessing, even though there is a blessing there. This is something Holy Spirit taught me some time ago. Something Holy Spirit taught me some time ago. That if my wife, if my wife wants to go to see a movie with me, and she comes to me and she says, John, listen, I bought movie tickets for this movie. I really want to spend time with you. You know, I really don't even care for the movie too much. I just want to get away with you. I just want to spend time with you. And we can get a babysitter and it's just somewhere where we can get away. And I bought the tickets and I've got everything set up. And let's just go to the movie theater. We can sit in the chair together. We can hold hands and get some popcorn. And I just want to spend some time with you. And I say to my wife, I say, sweetie, I love you. I so want to do that. That sounds really awesome. I just, wow, you set all that up? You even got the babysitter? Oh, my goodness. Wow, that sounds great. And then that time comes, and then I don't show up. I don't show up, okay? And I see my wife the next day, and I say, hey, how's it going, man? I just, I love you. Good morning. Wow, you know, wow, we're married. Yeah, this is great. And she goes, hey, um... I was really looking forward to spending time with you last night. I really thought this was going to be something special between us and you didn't come. And, you know, uh, I just want to let you know that, you know, I went and I watched the movie. The movie was really good, but it really just wasn't the same without you because I really bought this so that I really bought the tickets so we can spend time together. See, what if God made, it says, Jesus said, man was not created for the Sabbath day, but, but the Sabbath for man. In other words, in other words, the Sabbath day was not created so that we have to do something. It was created as a blessing for us. It was created as a day of rest for us. It was created as a day of relationship with the Father. And he said, Look, I set this day apart. I bless this day because this day is where I know that you'll settle down and I know that we can be intimate with one another. What if the feasts are God's movie ticket and he's saying, listen, I just want to spend this time. What if you just, what if... In, in faith, what if you just said, God, I don't understand this. I don't completely get it. But I'm going to take this time. I'm going to set it apart. I'm going to sanctify it to you. And I just want to see. 
I just want to spend that day with you. What if you just spend that day in the Word? What if you just spend that day in worship and prayer? What if you just put us the worship music and you just stop doing the dishes for the day or you stop going to work that day? What if you just set that time aside and say, God, you're the one that set this date and I'm showing up with my suit and tie on expecting to be romanced today because you made this day for you and I to dance together. What if that's what the feasts are truly about? What if it's about intimacy and relationship with the Father? I'm, I'm very serious about this because there's, there's a form of legalism going around in the Hebrew Roots movement and in many other movements that are out there, even some of my friend, people that I love dearly and I care about in the Messianic movement and in other areas, even within the church, like even within like the regular mainstream church, we can get that way about religious days. Some people, if you tell them you don't do Christmas and Easter, they look at you like you're a heathen and they judge you. Scripture says not to judge a man and meter and drink with respect to a new moon, a fat Sabbath day, a feast day. These are all shadows of things to come, but the reality is found in Christ. In other words, the point of the feast is the reality of Jesus in relationship with the Father. So if you're celebrating the feast and you're in relationship, you pretty much got them both set, huh? It's pretty cool. But he says not to judge anyone. So in other words, that scripture is telling, he's telling the Colossians, he's saying, listen, don't let anyone judge you in regard to these things. In other words, if you want to do them and you want to spend intimate time with the Lord, don't let anybody judge you for that. Whoa. That's a lot different than what we've been told. We've been told, we've been told that we don't, we don't have to keep the feast, don't keep the feast, stay away from the feast. In fact, if I don't do the feast, then you don't judge me. And we've, we've been told that's what that scripture means. What if we read it in its context? What if we read it and, and we understand that there were Jews that were telling people that they did need to do these things, uh, but it was because if they didn't do them, they thought that people weren't saved. He wasn't saying you shouldn't do them. He's saying that it has nothing to do with your salvation. However, if you are saved and you seek intimate relationship with the Father, that this is another open door, another opportunity for you to meet him on his day. I know that this, to many people, I know that this sounds very different than what you've been taught, but I'm just asking you, in, in, in all humility and, and just in love with Jesus and just because I spend this time with him, what if you just spent that time with the Father? What if you just tried it? In other words, what is it going to hurt you as an individual to spend that time with God? Don't you, I mean, we spend time with him anyway. What if you just said, God, hey, I'm here, it's your day, and I just want to honor your day, and I just, want to, I just want to bask before you today. I've set all my stuff aside, and I just want to give myself totally to you today. You said it's your day. You said it's the feast day of the Lord. It's a moed. It's a, it's a dress rehearsal. It's a time that you've set apart for you and I to have intimacy together. What if we met God on his day, on his time frame? Like we've always asked him to come. God, please help me right now. God, please come. God, come do this. God, do this. God, show up. God, do the church. God, go in there. God, talk to my pastor. God, help my child. God, help this person. God, do. We're always asking God to do things. And yet he says, I've given you my feast days to meet with you. And we say, whoa, uh, don't be getting legalistic on me, brother. What if it's not about that? Again, I know I'm repeating myself a lot, but I really want you to understand this. Spend that time with the Lord. Don't get legalistic about it. And don't try to force people to do it for goodness sake. Anything not done in faith is sin. 
And we're not trying to put people under the law. But we are trying to get people in a deeper relationship with the Father. And so I would just encourage you. I would just bless you in taking just this time. You say, John, how do I do the feast days? Well, isn't there like a bunch of rituals? And isn't there, isn't there like, you know, well, what about the shofar? And well, what about your prayer shawl? And well, what about building a tabernacle and building a booth? And what about doing, and what about saying all the blessings? And what about, and all the, and stop, stop. If it's not about intimacy and intimate time with him, you can build a thousand tabernacles. You can build a thousand sukkahs. You can wear a hundred talits. You can blow a thousand shofars. You can blow two shofars at one time and play every single note possible. And if you're not intimate with him, it's not about love and relationship with him, then don't even bother doing it. Because it's not done out of a clean conscience, a pure heart, and love for God. Now this is just me just pouring out my heart because I love my church family. I love my brothers and sisters. I don't want to see us divide over this. I have brothers and sisters and friends that, that celebrate things that I don't celebrate. And I celebrate things they don't celebrate. But you know what? We come together under the banner of the finished blood of Christ and we go out and we destroy the works of the enemy. We destroy the gates of hell. We go out and see people get healed. We go out and share the gospel together on the streets. We get People get saved, get delivered, get healed, get baptized. Listen, if we're all fighting the same fight and we're all coming together to worship the same God... Then, then we need to understand how to love one another so that we can understand one another's differences. And if we can understand one another's differences, then we can become in unity under the banner of love. I'm not saying go out and just do all kinds of pagan stuff. I'm not saying approve of things that Holy Spirit has made clear to you through His Word and through speaking to you in relationship. I'm not saying for you to go out and do something against your clean conscience. I'm not asking you to compromise your faith. All I'm saying is that if it's not done in an effort of revealing the heart of the Father and deeper intimate revelation and relationship with Yeshua Jesus. And if it's not done in relationship and, and seeking unity with the brethren so that we can destroy the gates of hell, especially now in this most divided time of the mainstream church these days, then if I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not love, I'm just making a bunch of noise. I'm making a bunch of videos. I'm making a bunch of podcasts. I'm making a bunch of radio programs. I'm on TV. I've got a big ministry. And you know what? Hooray. Look at me. God's so blessed and so happy with me. And it's about relationship. And if you have right relationship with the Father and right relationship with Yeshua, you will have His heart and His love for people. Jesus came... Jesus came to die for sinners who were yet lost. He died for the very people who mocked him, spit on him, and pulled out his beard. Many times we at the church, many times... I'm sorry. <laughs> many times we can't even love the people that disagree with us in the body of Christ. And Jesus loved the person... And died for the person who mocked him and pulled out his beard and spit on him. Who told him to come down from the cross. If you really are the son of God. And if Jesus would have came down from the cross, that guy would have been lost forever. If you're not seeking God's heart 
If you're not seeking relationship and intimacy with Jesus, I don't know why you're even reading this book. I don't even know why you're going to a congregation. I don't know what you're doing. Because this is not for your head. This is for your heart. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. If we're not going from glory to glory, from faith to faith, if we're not doing things that, 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 that let us grow in intimacy and in revelation of seeing God, understanding His heart, seeing people the way He sees them, hearing the way He hears, then I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing. But I know what I'm doing. And that is seeking the heart of my Father. And Jesus made it so clear. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If we're not getting this, if you're not getting it, if you don't hear the heart cry that I'm speaking right now, then I would just ask you, I would ask you to search your own heart. Get on your knees before the Father. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2, where it says to walk humbly. Humble yourself. Knowledge puffs up. Love encourages and edifies. I'm asking you, to seek the heart of God on the day that He set up and see and test. See. See, here's another thing. I know I'm going long here and I apologize, but I need you to hear this. It's sort of like we, we talk about we don't want to do these things. And we talk about we don't want to do God's feast days and we talk about you know separating ourselves from these things. But then we turn around and we manipulate Malachi chapter 3 when it comes to tithing. Which Malachi, you know, test me in this and see that I will not open up the storehouses of heaven if, you know, Malachi about tithing. When that had to do with the temple, it had to do with the temple tax. It had to do with paying for the temple and it had to, you know, you know, pastors and preachers and teachers. I don't want to get critical here. It's not my intention. I'm just saying that we can use a principle here where we take Malachi which has to do with with applying taxes and the temple tax and and tithes for the temple sake in Jerusalem and then we preach that on Sunday in order to get people to give money but then we we manipulate the word of God so that we get money we have no problem with that but when it comes to the feast days which is about intimacy and relationship with God we're, we 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 just want to say absolutely not but see that's old testament as well for the most part See, you can use it in one place but not use it in another. So you can, you can just pick and choose what you want to follow and what you don't want to follow. I'm telling you, with the measure that you judge, it will be measured to you. And if you twist and manipulate the Word of God in order to manipulate people, if you condemn people who are in the body of Christ and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you condemn them, if you condemn them for not keeping the feast days, a shame on you. You're supposed to be leading the flock and bringing people into relationship and intimacy so they can go make disciples too and encouraging them to find more ways to be intimate with God. 
But instead, instead you figured out how to manipulate the word of God and control people. Which when you use the word of God in order to manipulate an individual to get them to do what you want them to do, do you actually know that that's the biblical definition of witchcraft? Do you know that, that if you go back to Genesis where Satan tempted Eve, where, where Satan said, you know, surely you won't die. Did God say, do you realize that the first form of witchcraft is mentioned in the book of Genesis where the devil used the word of God in order to manipulate someone to do what they wanted, what he wanted them to do? That is witchcraft. When you use the word of God to control people and get the outcome you want out of them, whether it's tithing, whether it's coming to a church building on Sunday, whatever it is, if you're using the word of God to manipulate people to get the outcome that you want them to do, and it has nothing to do with love and relationship and being strong and healthy, disciples growing from faith to faith and glory to glory, I promise you, you will be judged more strictly than the very people sitting in the pew that you're condemning for not doing it. I promise you, the Word of God is very clear on that. I don't know why God just has me speaking this right now. Holy Spirit is just really making a very strong point here. He's speaking something through me that I've just never really let out on my heart before um, on, on, on any type of a teaching that I've recorded. But I promise you, I promise you, if you are not leading the flock into relationship, intimacy, and understanding the heart of the Father and being conformed to the image of Christ and teaching them to make disciples and also walking in, in reverent fear of the Lord, meaning, meaning reverence of God and, and, and loving the Father and understand, helping them understand that they're sons, that they're not sinners anymore, that they're sons and daughters, their identity in Christ, that they're saints, they're not sinners anymore. If you beat people over the head with the word of God who are already supposedly saved and you're not, you're trying to keep them down here so that you can maintain your position up here as a pastor or a teacher or whatever it is, I promise you, man, Jesus is going to treat you, I promise you, Jesus is going to treat you just like he treated the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so for all you people that are, that are beating Christians over the head with the feast days and the Sabbath, I keep the feast and the Sabbath. But for you Christians that are beating people over the head with the feast days and the Sabbath, I promise you, you are in for a very rude awakening when Christ returns because He will, He will discipline His people. Hebrews says, the book of Hebrews says that, that, that if we're not disciplined by the Father, then we're illegitimate children. And so you're going to be disciplined. And maybe this is God speaking to you right now, calling you to repentance. Calling you to repentance for your hard heart and your lack of love for your family in Christ. Again, God is just speaking something here. I know that this is, a, this is a long recording. I understand that. But God's making a point, and if only one person watches this to the end and gets their lives transformed, it was for you. And maybe your heart's pounding right now. Maybe you're saying, I'm so broken. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I hurt people with something that I love. I, I love spending time with the Father. I, I, this is awesome. Intimate is, is just great. But I've been doing this the wrong way. I've been doing this the wrong way. And Father, I just ask you to forgive me. I just ask you, would you call out just right now? If you need to stop this recording right now and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. I, just, I wasn't loving people. The word love in Hebrew is ahava. It means to reveal the heart of the Father. So if you're not revealing the heart of the Father through everything that you're doing, you're not in love. You're not in faith. 
and you're not building up hope. You're killing, stealing, and destroying, which is the attributes of our enemy. Killing, stealing, and destroying are the attributes of our enemy. So for some of you, this is a wake-up call. For others, this is a warning so that you don't go down the wrong path with this thing. But the feast days are about intimacy. You spend time with Him. Don't worry about all the little nicks and things and this and that's and shawls and shofars. and All that stuff's fun. It's good. It has a great meaning. I, I own it all. I've got plenty of shofars. I've got a prayer shawl. i got all that stuff. And it all has a significant meaning. It's all beautiful. So I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying, don't make it legalistic. Make it relational. It has to be relational. So Father, I just thank you that you are just being, you're just dealing with us, your people, so gently. And you're really, Holy Spirit, you've spoken some really strong words today. And it really resonates in my own heart. And God, I just thank you for your people, for the people that you love, for the people that you care about. Lord, for your church, that we would understand love and intimacy, Father. And we would learn how to love one another deeply from the heart. And even our disagreements, even when we know certain things are pagan that are happening in the church, that we would go in and be the example of love so people would see the difference and say, well, he doesn't do those things, but man, that guy really, he loves the Lord. What's so different about him? So they would see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven, even in the body. God, I just really, I want that, Lord. Like, that's where I want to live from. I want, I don't want to just do love. I want to become love. So, Father, I just ask you to make us love. Conform us to the image of Christ. Jesus was the perfect image of the Father, and you are love. God is love. And so, if we're supposed to imitate you and represent you, then we're supposed to be you and represent love. So, Father, make us love. That we can freely love. Freely we've received your love. Now, freely we should, re we should give your love, God. And so, Lord, teach us how to become your love, and to give your love, and show us how to have intimacy with you, Father. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this moment and this time of just fellowship with you and with everybody listening to this. And so, this is John from Fruit of the Vine Ministries. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. Um, I've got some upcoming events taking place locally, and uh, I'll be teaching on the Day of Atonement um, on a local Christian TV station on October 12th. Uh, here locally. Um, you can find all that information on our Facebook page. You can visit us at Fruit of the Vine Ministries Ohio is how you can find us on Facebook. Again, Fruit of the Vine Ministries Ohio. Um, and you'll, you'll find that. You'll see a picture of me. It'll say Fruit of the Vine at the top. And you can like our Facebook page. You can stay up uh, on a lot of events and things we're going on. I'm going to be recording more radio programs, more podcasts, more YouTube videos, a lot more things in, in the coming times. Um, as the Holy Spirit leads me and gives me the opportunity to do so. So I just bless you, and I thank you for, for, for listening to this. And again, love, love, the greatest of these is love. God bless you, in Jesus' name, amen.